to Your Property Podcast. Today is the 4th of November 2020. My name is Michelle Cairns, your host for today. And with us, we have got Angie Nichols. So Angie has, she has got an article in the December issue, and she's going to be talking about the psychological aspects of due diligence. So uh, Angie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Michelle. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, it's great to have you in person and to give more flavour and more content to your article. So let's uh, let's start with um, how did you get into the psychological aspects of due diligence? How did you get to this point? Are you um, do you have a background in investing yourself? Um, so I have a background in social sciences. So I'm um, I'm a licensed psychotherapist. So people, things, all things people related are of huge interest to me. And it's funny, actually, because I find this new, new normal digital Zoom age that we find ourselves in at the moment really tricky, because to me, it takes something that's very three dimensional and puts it on a very two dimensional platform. So I find it really, I, I, I really like to look in the whites of someone's eye. I like to be able to really take in the body language, take in the whole holistic person. So uh, digital platforms, are, I'm learning, I'm learning. Yeah, it's a bit trickier on uh, Zoom when we're trying to look at the video and the camera at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, in terms of um, uh, property, so I am one third of the KPA property family. We're a family business, as its name would suggest. Um, and myself, my husband and our eldest son, Ben, own and run um, a, a property business. And we invest in Bristol in HMOs. Um, we went into the HMO sector because we wanted to completely disrupt it. So my son did a maths degree at Bristol and I was absolutely horrified by what we saw. Um, and we just said, you know what, we could do this completely differently. This is just dreadful. So uh, since 2015, when Ben joined the family business, that's where the property has come from. Um, we're also co-hosts of the Partners in Property community in Bristol, Ben and I. So lots of people come and talk to me about the dealings they've had with these unscrupulous people by very nature of the fact that, you know, we host a property network. Um, but wider than that, um, I've been in business with my husband for the past 25 years. So um, my background more immediately from leaving school was law. And I then decided when we'd had Ben that I, I was partway through my law degree and I just thought I just don't want that anymore. You know, I've got family now and I just don't want that 24-7 that commitment. So I joined the family business and that was a marketing and renewables business. Um, so my hobby and I have been working together for, for a long time. And then John, Ben joined us in 2015. So that's kind of where that comes from. And also in the mix of that, in 2011, um, I studied psychotherapy and, and hypnotherapy. So I've got that social sciences background. So that's kind of how that ties together. Right. It's a, so it's an interesting mix bringing the psychology to uh, the to a business, the property business uh, side of things. So um, you talked about when Ben joined the business and getting into HMOs, have you always had some property in the background as accidental landlords or was this a brand new venture for you? And if so, what made you kind of jump into HMOs? Oh, great question. Um, so yes, we did have the accidental landlord situation and we have, we've had some bite-a-lets. So my husband really likes to do new things. So just when I'm getting to grips of, you know, what's going on, he says, wouldn't it be great to do this? And I say, 
what do we know about this? And his answer is, what does anybody know about this? So over the years, we've done lots of different things. And um, so, yeah, we did some bite sets and really liked it. I liked it. I come, a bit, I come at it from the people's point of view. I love to, you know, create a nice home for someone. And then, you know, that, that kind of relationship build is really lovely for me. I really enjoy that. Um, so, yeah, we'd all, and we also had um, an agency at one time. So we, we knew about property anyway. And then, then Ben said in 2015, when he, when he left Bristol, obviously having a maths degree kind of led him into careers into the city perhaps, or being an actuary. And he just said, I just don't want any of that. It's completely soulless, but I'm really interested in, um, you know, the property side. You guys have already got other businesses, so you're time poor. I'm not, I've got bags of time. How about we work together? So that's how uh, that happened in 2015. And today, that property property business sees. So we still have the the core. Um, so it's like a group of companies now. We still have the core KPA, which is still the marketing business, which was my in-laws' company and has been around since 1948. Um, we have the KPA Property Family, which is our um, investment portfolio in Bristol, and we also have a, a lettings agency, which again was accidental because we couldn't find. Um, a service that we wanted to manage our portfolio so we systemized and we outsourced to VAs and what have you so we created this kind of system to do it for us and then other investors came along said we love what you're doing can you can we work with you and after about 10 of them Ben and I looked at each other and said I think we kind of have a product there so um, so we've got a, a lettings business called KPA Management. So that's uh, Bristol and Swindon at the moment. And we also have a, an outsourcing company uh, which helps other investors with everything from kind of branding, logo, systems for their businesses. And that's KPA Virtual. So we have a team in the Philippines. So that property business is kind of, Ben's obviously like his dad, gets bored. And it's like that's kind of snowballed. Okay, and I'm amazed you've got any spare time to, to come on this podcast. So. <laughs> That's amazing, but you know, to be it just shows what can be done when you've got yeah. a, a family or any partnership that comes together works really well and uh, compounds that progress. So, so fantastic. But like today, we're going to be talking more about your your background in psychology and how that is, you know, how you've used that in your property business. So, I'm sure that is second nature to what you do but in a more formal way can you talk a bit more about that and is it is it something that is uh well you tell me how does that influence what you do in your property business sure it's funny actually when we were doing um having our zoom to do the uh the the magazine article that's something jane kept going back to because it does become something that you do like breathing really but i think people can learn to look out for things and I think for me the biggest takeaway is that we can be compromised um so we all have that sense when we're doing something either that we shouldn't so you know we're watching what we eat and there's a big old slice of cake that suddenly finds its way onto the end of our fork and into our mouth but we shouldn't be doing that but we're compromised perhaps by greed or excitement or the situation we're in. So we, we, we can kind of all recognize those feelings when we behave in a way that doesn't serve. Um, and I think my takeaway is if you feel that happening to you, that's the point at which you go and speak to somebody or you go and get some advice um, because that gut instinct has been with us for a very, very long time. And we just don't listen to it. I mean, um, I pulled a great uh, quote up actually this morning by Albert Einstein. I really like this one. And he says, the intuitive mind is a sacred gift 
and the rational mind as a faithful servant. We have created a society that honours the servant and has forgotten the gift. And it's so true because we are so linear now. It's almost if you talk to people about your gut instinct and follow your, they look at you like, oh, it's all a bit woo-woo. It's there for a reason. It's part of the fight or flight. And we can listen to it. We just choose not to. So that, I think, would be my biggest takeaway. Okay. I, uh, I was talking to my nephew, who's eight years old, and I mentioned something about going with your gut. And I was trying to explain what it meant about to go with your gut. <laughs> um, and, and I said, you know, most people think it's just about, about what you can see and what you can hear and, 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 you know, following those kind of signs. But I'd, apparently I read somewhere about this research to say that there's brain cells in your gut. So the same brain cells are sort of all over your body so that when you get that feeling, you know, that that is valid and to listen to it as well. So when you uh, talk about this gut feeling in the property business, I guess you, know, you, can, you can apply it to all different aspects, whether that's buying a house and just the house feel like a right investment whether that's you are uh, screened for tenants and you are uh, speaking to you know potential tenants who might move in or whether that's a landlord or JV partners is there any particular area that you have focused on or is it this just is this a, a, a widespread uh, tool <laughs> so I use it for screening tenants all the time JV partners all the time for me a relationship has a flow and I'm sure again we can all relate to the times where somebody was trying to push that agenda so you know for instance somebody wants to be your best friend when they first met you and that feels a bit kind of well this is a bit bizarre you know when that flow is being pushed and again that would make me think well why is somebody trying to push that and you see it all the time don't you, you see absolutely makes me cringe the things you see on Facebook sometimes you know anyone want to JV with me in the north <laughs> and you just think do people actually do that? That's just crackers. And it's funny because I was um, having a chat with one of the pit, mem pit members the other day. And obviously they were talking about this deal that really excited them. And they said, Angie, what do you do about working with people you don't like? And I said, okay, this is going to sound really crass, but this is completely true. I don't work with people I don't like. And she said, oh, and I said, does that sound arrogant to you? Because I really don't mean it to be. But it's like I have learned over the years. My instincts are that I don't like you or I don't trust you. I don't want to. I don't care how good the deal is. It could be the best deal in the world because in property, things go wrong. And it, when things do go wrong, you know, sometimes small things, but sometimes big things. Are you going to be side by side with me or are you going to be against me? And if I'm getting these feelings about you early on that I don't particularly like you, why on earth would I want to work with you? And people don't spend enough time building the relationship. So, you know, before I'd even think about, did I want to work with someone on a deal? Do I like them? Do I like them enough to actually want to have the second coffee with them? Let alone do I want to go and spend God knows how many thousands with them. And people are compromised by their excitement a lot of the time. And dare I say it, greed and desperation, and you know, it's like the deal yeah. in her, their heads. It's the deal of the century. They're so excited. They just want to get on with it. And someone else can bring the money or the experience or the time or whatever it is. And it, that their feelings are clouded by, like you say, the excitement of the deal. So yeah. um, in terms of how do you separate 
personality versus integrity because this is how I look at it in that what you're talking about there that gut instinct that that someone's not trustworthy is more of about who they are as their their character their integrity rather than a personality clash so I don't Mm. know if you're aware of the wealth dynamics for example yeah big star yes so in wealth dynamics the suggestion the advice sometimes is to partner up with somebody who has a different skill set than you and quite often because someone has a different skill set they have a different personality style that is not always um you don't always kind of gel with straight away so what I'm saying is whether you want to have a coffee another coffee with somebody it's useful to work out is that because I don't there's something about them that I don't trust or is it do you know what we're just different personalities here and okay we can get through a coffee we've got lots in common but I, do, I wouldn't want to spend time socially with that person mm. that's a long way long-winded way no of saying. that's a great question we use wealth dynamics all the time we profile everyone we work with so Jonathan, you start off by saying what wealth dynamics is because yes absolutely so um so there's wealth dynamics and there's team dynamics wealth dynamics is probably more the kind of individual individual person so you're looking at yourself and how you relate to other people um and team dynamics is in the t- how the team is put together and works together and that's 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 what we use it for and we profile all our vas we profile anyone that we've done a jv with and we profile ourselves internally and so I'm um, a deal maker, so I've got heavy blaze energy, no surprise there, because it's the people focused side. Um, my husband is Lord, he has zero blaze energy. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, he's my tracks, right? <laughs> oh, he's my complete, we are completely yin and yang. Um, and our son Ben is star, so he's dynamo. So complements each other quite well. Um, I would say someone's untrustworthy. I don't even want to go anywhere. For, I don't even want to go further. So that's just done. Completely hear what you're saying about personalities, but you should have enough mutual respect for each other within a working environment, however that is, or going to play out, that you're pleased that somebody sees different things to you. Because if there's respect there, you're not going to dislike somebody because they're a different profile. You're going to look at that and say, I mean, it's like, for instance, with my husband, he loves spreadsheets because he loves data. Honestly, spreadsheets put me to sleep. But without him, Ben and I would go off and do all these absolutely wonderfully exciting things, but we could be bankrupt. <laughs> and, you know, but it, but we had great fun, you know, spending the money. We started lots um, of projects. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Whereas my hubby would say, hang on a minute, if you thought about this and what about that? And think, and we'll just look at each other and go, oh my goodness, thank heavens for dad, we don't see that. And he keeps us safe. So there's not that, there's no sort of personality clash there. It's a mutual respect that I can do what he can't and he can do what I can't. And it's a wonderful, uh, you know, a wonderful situation to be in. And when we're talking, you're taking that step further and you think, mm-hmm. okay, I respect this person and they have the skill sets that is missing in my business or we, we can add value some other way. Um, and you want to take that step further and say, oh, I'd like to work with this person. In terms of due diligence, obviously there's the sort of standard list of criteria. You can go on LinkedIn and Facebook and do your Google searches and those kind of things. Um, but sometimes sometimes people who are good people and there's not any question about their integrity they either make mistakes they take too much on and it doesn't work out and what how do you uh you know other ways that you use to 
predict that or um, or to dig around for information about maybe things that have gone wrong in the past or do you know what I mean I'm uh, sometimes you think this is this would be a great person to work with um, but actually it, it either doesn't work out in the end and you, you kind of look back and think what did I miss yeah oh another great question um so I do the science exactly you know you're suggesting so if there's a company involved I want to do the science on the company I want to look at the company's house etc I do so do you want to uh, the company's house if you do you have like a checklist of things that you cover off yeah I'd be looking at their balance sheet I would be looking at any SPVs that they had in order to buy property I'd be looking at any companies that they owned with other people I'd be looking at whether or not things have been struck off you know those kind of um you know those things on does it make sense what they've told me am I now seeing this but are you just Um, doing that so you can match up what they've told you to be true or are you looking for some pattern or some other information so just kind of, does it make sense to me? I mean, am I looking at a balance sheet and thinking, well, there are huge amounts of, uh, you know, in debt here, or well, hang on a minute, that got struck off, but yet that was supposed to be a vehicle for that, you know, that, so I'm looking at, I'm doing that kind of lordy thing of, does the data make sense to me? Mm-hmm. And then the person, so again, exactly what you said, so what, what are they saying on social media? What's happening on LinkedIn? Um, what about their CV on LinkedIn? So you know, are they who I think they are? Um, speak to some people, other people that they've worked with, you know, what are the outcomes of that? So all that kind of what I would call the sciencey stuff. And then beyond that, I would then be trying to get to know them as a person. And we all make mistakes. I mean, in the, in the tenant sphere, for instance, you know, we'll have people that fail referencing. So a tenant might say, look, you're doing referencing. I've got a CCJ. You know, there's about 100 quid left on it. It was a mobile phone bill that I completely forgot about. Now, he's told me about that, and that goes a long way with me. So if someone's going to be honest right from the get-go um, and say, look, this is a failing of mine, I might struggle with this, um, or, you know, we might need to watch out for that. Somebody's integrity needs to shine through, and I, I would definitely say that people do make mistakes. And how you learn from that, I think you try and get to know the person – not in a sense that they're going to be your best friend. Well, they might be. They might very well be. I've got some great friends in property um, that, you know, we've worked, worked with and now that I can't consider them to be really good friends. But you're looking for, is that person somebody that I can, I can work with? Do they have integrity? Do they have honesty? How am I feeling about things? Are they a diva? You know, all these kind of, are they a complete and utter narcissist? Are they demanding so much of my time really early on? How, how is this going to play out? And I think the more you get to know someone and the more you perhaps go off topic, because someone can have a script and they know exactly what they're going to tell you about this. And if you say, well, how about that? And they go, oh, and then they start talking, you know, when, once you get them off scripts, then sometimes they tell you things that perhaps they didn't want to. And is their body language and what they're saying, is, there this, is that marrying up? It's all that kind of things that you get to know we all have friends that we thought they're actually great in the beginning and then towards the end you just think crikey you're not the person I thought you were and the more time you spend that that kind of thing comes out yeah um we're talking about mistakes there it makes me think of a quote it's something like there are two types of mistakes the mistakes of ambition and mistakes of a sloth (laughs) (laughs) um, one is that you know you're actually you're you've got the right intentions and you're going ahead and you are mm, taking a an educated risk and then there's the other type where 
you know, you, you either just not very organized person or you have, um, you know, bad money management or whatever it is. Um, so I think, like you said there, it's like, well, is it just that one-off payment from the tenant that, that, you know, that they've missed or is it a string of them? Is it there a pattern there? Uh, is there something else that, that, you know, is kind of, um, I, I like to call them the red flags, you know, like yes. so or, one, one CCJ with it's hundred pounds is the orange flag, but the pattern is a red flag. Um, so, and then, then there's the, uh, the other type of mistake, which is outside of somebody's control. So I'm sure, you know, of people where they've done a, they've done a deal, they've got, they've done their due diligence and, you know, then there's a global pandemic <laughs> and go wrong, you know? So, um, so I think that's also an important point to, to look at as well, especially at the moment and how, you know, going forward, people are going to have issues to deal with that might not necessarily have been in their control. Yeah, definitely. And I think you need to bear that in mind. And I think that, again, that's all part of those early days, getting to know somebody and find out about these things. And again, a pattern, you know, if it's happened once, if it's happened twice, but actually if it keeps happening, then clearly there's something in there. And I think that's a different situation from a scammer. I think a scammer, <clears throat> which is obviously all of the news at the moment with, you know, Armstrong, et cetera, et cetera, um, is a scammer would intentionally go out to deceive. And I think those things perhaps are, are easier to look for because they're quite pronounced. The, the, the tools in their toolbox are completely different. But this whole kind of JV thing and relationship building and getting to know someone, I think then it is, is, is different. But the key is, for me, the key is always recognize when you're compromised. And if you feel that you're compromised, if you're really excited, if the deal does sound too good, if it has to be done like yesterday, if you're being pushed, if you feel that things aren't quite right, there's something amiss, it could be absolutely brilliant. It could be, you know, you could be completely wrong, but find somebody to sense check that with. Yeah, that would be my biggest advice, I think. Yeah, getting other people's inputs. And on that when you ask for references or when you speak to other people, so let's say you're thinking of working with somebody as a JV partner, and then you um, do your due diligence, you find out who they've worked with before. If it hasn't gone well, there are always two sides of the story on there. So how do you distinguish between, how do you, how do you know which side is, dare I say, telling the truth? Because there isn't really one truth, perhaps. Sometimes it's just two people didn't get on things didn't go well maybe it was badly planned or organized so when yeah when you're doing your due diligence on in that respect mm. how do you separate a mistake something that's gone wrong and therefore mm. somebody might have bad words to say about this person mm. we just don't know sure sure um i'd be looking for patterns so are you now the third person that's told me this has happened so now my red flags are flying um, or if I would say, look, you know, how did you find this, Michelle? And you said, well, actually, you know what? I found them a bit difficult to work with and, you know, a bit of a diva and was always on the phone. It was always about them. And I'd be thinking, sure, that's really funny because that's the sense that I got. So I would kind of be looking at that and holding that up against the, the, the kind of sense check that I got if it was yeah. just kind of to see, was it a personality clash with you? Was it your fault, Michelle? It's really, <laughs> or was it, you know? Yeah, it, I would just, uh, I've got a builder in mind um, oh. and 
um, he came around to look at the house and, do you know, he was the most professional out of all the quotes that I had. He had the whole, um, gave me an example of the schedule of works and invited me to see other projects. The website looked very slick. He knew exactly what he was talking about. So, you know, it all kind of matched up intellectually. But I just came out of there feeling, do you know what? I, I just, I got a really funny vibe and I, I felt really, I um, don't know what the word is, a bit anxious coming out thinking, oh, I don't know, a bit patronised and I don't know. I just, I can't, it's one of those, isn't it? You can't put your, feet, your finger on the feeling. And then anyway, so I went with a different builder in the end and uh, there was actually two other people that I'd spoken to within a couple of weeks who'd said exactly the same thing about him and we we said well you know at least there's a pattern there it's not just us and then about I don't know three or four months later we hear about how he's he's scammed somebody in the group <gasps> and you just yeah. lucky escape but I think yeah. that's really important isn't it how what's your advice to people who perhaps don't have the confidence because on that particular occasion it was it was a bigger refurb than I'd done before and it, I was a bit outside of my comfort zone because I didn't have the experience so there's a level of confidence you need to have in yourself when somebody else is presenting as more confident more knowledgeable um mm. to sort of say do you know what I need to trust myself here and have that abundance mindset of there's there's going to be somebody out there who's got the knowledge and the experience and who you get the good vibe from Mm. what you've described there is in a nutshell what your gut instinct is you knew where you and it probably felt in your guts it was probably you could probably put your finger on it exactly and say where that came from and that is exactly what you're describing and you went with it which is absolutely fantastic you can't rationalize it you can't say i'm feeling this and this and this because we take in so much information per second but we can only process so much of it so there's parts of it that get stored that you can't access. And so you would know the answer and you know why, but you can't vocalise that. So that instinct is exactly as you've just described. Um, in, ten, in terms of confidence, I guess that just kind of comes with the territory. I would, you know, go and find somebody that you trust and that you know that perhaps has a lot more experience than you do and say, look, I'm feeling like this. Who do you use? Or who could you who could you recommend for me? But the minute you feel like that about mm. about anybody, you know, and you described it perfectly there. I mean, my I've got two instances where that happened for me. One of them um, nearly cost my husband his life. It wasn't to do with property. He was in hospital, and he went in with something really routine. Went in with cellulitis. Caught MRSA when he was in there. Got gangrene on his leg. And it was touch and go for a while. It's like when I asked about the leg, the surgeon said, we're trying, we're hoping we can, you know, we're, we're more concerned about the life than the leg. So I just thought, oh my goodness. And he's got sleep apnea. And I was, I'd gone to bed the night before and because it was so urgent, they were letting me come in early in the morning to go down to theatre with him. And I'd gone to bed and I had the most horrendous dream that I was drowning. Like one of those dreams that you wake up and think, did that really happen? It was so disgusting. And as I was driving to the hospital, I kept thinking, what the heck was that? And got halfway there and realised, hang on a minute, does anyone know he's got sleep apnea? And when I got there, I said to the surgeon, who had about 14 members of staff around his desk, around my husband's bed, and I just went, put my hand up and said, look, can I just ask a really 
you know, silly question. And again, it's that confidence, isn't it? Because surgeons yeah. are God, aren't they? Yes. Um, does anyone know that my husband has sleep apnea? And he said, is it in the notes? And they all looked and said, no. And so they sent the um, anaesthetist in to see me and they had to do the surgery via a spinal block because if they had put him under, he would have died under the anaesthetic because he's got sleep apnea. So that's my gut. And the, the second instance of that is my son, Ben, who probably hate me telling you this, but anyway, sh- sh- you won't listen to it. She won't tell him. Yeah. Um, he wanted to go to a party when he was in his teens. And I had no reason for saying no. It was a local party. I knew the parents. I knew the, all the kids that were going. I had no reason to say no. All his friends were going. And I said no. And I was the worst mom in the world. And um, someone died at that party. Yeah. And Ben was a very confident teen. And I'm sure there were hijinks going on. And I have no doubt that he would have been involved in hijinks. Um, so, yeah. And it, it's that. It's that you ignore it at your peril and that's either going to be personal or financial and um you know they're my two instances I just I never ignore it and sometimes I can't describe it in that moment but it will unfold and I will know why yeah it's taking that time out to just think and and think okay what's going on here because you in those two instances one with the party more kind of clear head there was nothing else really going on but the other situation must have been incredibly stressful and anxious and you know just high anxiety in that situation and then I think sometimes whether it's the excitement of the deal or the anxiety of a situation it's more difficult to gauge your gut feeling it's hard to, to sort of separate that yeah. would you agree absolutely agree and there are the points at which you compromised excitement anxiety greed and that's how we override the system. Our system is saying no. And then we intellectualize and we say, well, no, this is fine. No, this is great. This is going to play. And, and every time I speak to somebody who rings up and says, look, I need to talk to you about this situation that's happened to me. They're often people that are very experienced. They don't like to talk about it. They don't. And this is how these people can, you know, can keep operating because someone is so embarrassed. They don't want to come forward and speak. So, of course, these awful people can, can, can keep can keep going um but they'll say they seem so nice it seems so credible and you think well oh, of course the, you know they seem so nice that's their stocking trade they're sociopaths you know that's their job to seem well, so but, nice. yeah, there's two there's two issues there isn't it one that they seem so credible and that's where let's call them the scammers who've got the bad intent um but then there's the other side where you mentioned before about the surgeon being like god and and we attribute these godlike, you know, godlike feelings towards people who are more experienced in one way or another. Sometimes it might be a solicitor, it might be, um, you know, a mentor, it might be a uh, a landlord, whoever it is. But you've got that feeling where you need to bring something up and you need to challenge them. And we hear a lot about, you know solicitors being very specialist in one area and then you come up and say oh I've got this uh, my tax advisor said that I can get something or other here um, so it's not necessarily about um, the person doing something wrong it's more about you having more information in that sense so you've done more due diligence and then having the confidence to challenge them on that I know it's like yeah. Yeah. and it gets gets back to what you were saying about your builder as well early on you know that whole kind of confidence that somebody was the, the expert in their space you know quite quite patronizing in that and again you know do I say because it sounds like you know I'm not a 
you know, um, using feminism to discredit, you know, sometimes as a woman that can happen. Yeah. You know, we've all, as a woman, gone to try and buy a car. <laughs> taking the car to go. Yeah, exactly. You know how that feels. Um, so, you know, it's that, it's that I'm quite a people pleaser. So I do find that hard and I'm not great with confrontation. So what I tend to do in that situation, and it's, it's something that kind of I employ to make it easier for me, is I'll self-deprecate. So I would say to, you know, and my, my stop phrase is stupid question alert. Mm. And actually, it's not a stupid question. Yeah. It's a valid question. But because I feel the people who are in me says, oh, goodness, who am I to be asking that? I'll self-deprecate. And most times, nine out of ten, someone says, no such thing as a stupid question. Just ask. And that's the answer you're looking for, isn't it? Um, but you know, if someone's trying to put you down or if someone's trying to be the expert in their space, or if someone's trying to use kind of NLP tactics against you, that's another yeah. one they use so yeah. much. And it's such a shame because it's given NLP a bad name and NLP is fabulous. You know, it's like, you know, your state life is know, great. Uh, we're talking about neuro-linguistic programming. Yeah, yeah sorry. Neuro- uh, yeah. And it, they, if you feel that that's being used, ask yourself why. You know, if you if someone's agenda is being pushed, if you're being um, made to move a lot quicker than you'd like, if you're feeling these things happening and you can't say why, but you're feeling them, then question that. Why? Yeah, uh, I agree. And I think that's true in a lot in this, obviously, the sales arena where things are being sold, courses, content, whatever it is, training and, you know, that the... It's a difficult balance, isn't it? Because that is sales. You need to, you know, there are sales techniques to encourage you to see the benefits of the of, of whatever they're selling. And then on the other extreme, you've got people who are more pushy and and that influences you to do to make decisions you wouldn't necessarily do with a clear head. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But if you ask yourself the question, why is this happening? And, and the answer is, well, this is sales, this is salesy. So, okay, I can live with that. I know that. Okay. But, you know, it's that make sure that you don't, make sure that you, it's happening. Take it out and have a look at it. Why is it happening? Why do I, why am I being, why am I being played? Or why does this not feel quite right? Or why does this sound like this? Okay. So why is this making yeah. me feel like this? That's a great question then. It's, it's something to come back to. Why do I feel like this? Why? Mm trying to understand how it is how you're feeling so I think there's if we boil what we've just been discussing on uh, on this podcast into I say it as two essential elements the first is an awareness so it's being aware that there's some resistance there's some um, push against the flow and something that feels uncomfortable so an awareness of, of, of how you feel and then the second one is the confidence to do something about it yes big star absolutely because that's what it comes down to isn't it that either if people feel some resistance in a due diligence sense and then they well I suppose there's a third they can get swept up in the in the you know the um like you say the greed and the and the hype of the deal or they don't have or they know something's not right but they don't have the confidence to say it so I've just added a third in (laughs) and also if it's right no one's going to mind you checking yeah, true. You know, no one's going to mind. If you know, if you said to me, do you know what, Angie, do you mind? I'm just going to going to take a day or take however long to go and check you out on company's house, and maybe can I speak to a few people? You know, of course, 
and and also sometimes you hear people will say well you know i used their solicitor and they forgot to register the charge or they forgot to register say, why were you using their solicitor because if you were doing a deal with somebody would you not say take independent legal advice yeah you know if someone's not ta- if it's if it's a problem for somebody that you want to take a step back and think about it if it's a problem for somebody that you want to check them out or if they're not urging you to to um to to think about your position because you know if you're if you if you're if you're dealing with somebody else's money or somebody else's interests in something I don't know about you but I tend to take more care with that than I would my own yes yeah you know so if that's not the case then why is that happening because that's that's strange that's bizarre you know if you're talking about payment terms and you're saying you know well we've got you know this amount of capital coming in and then we've got this this money coming in from from you and this money that's mine it's like who's going to get paid out first like are you last so why are why are they talking it's think about how you would behave and how you would treat somebody else and is that happening for you there mm. and you know and again my other thing completely basic um, would be is there a mismatch am I hearing and seeing the same thing mm. is the body language and the vocal matching up yeah and I guess uh, and another thing to add to that as a basic one is are they speaking badly about somebody else you know yes. uh, so they might come across credulous. you might think okay what they're saying is it all matches up but yeah if, if they've <laughs> I don't know if the integrity is question is in question elsewhere then yeah then and that's basic integrity isn't it absolutely are they talking about somebody else in a way that you wouldn't like them to be talking about you because yeah. guess what that's what's going to be happening exactly yeah absolutely bang on so any uh we've talked a lot about how people can identify the feeling what they can do about it some great questions there um any final kind of advice to people who are either the big ones really are the the joint venture partners, aren't they? Um, that seems to be top of the list when people are looking at due diligence because there's so much on the line. And But also, I suppose, when you're looking at a deal and just looking at the numbers, that's different than you look when you're dealing with a person. So how do you compare those two? So I think you need to look at whether the deal stacks separately. Because at the end of the day, if the deal doesn't stack, then, you know, you might really love the person and want to work with the person, but you're moving on because it, it needs to, no matter how wonderful the person is, the deal needs to stack. Mm. I'm really lucky with that one because I'm a mathematician looking at those. <laughs> so I, I really lucked out on that one. Um, but yeah, I would be so much more aware, I think, than most people are when somebody else is trying to control the narrative. So slow it down. It doesn't have to be like yesterday. Take Can the you time. Just elaborate on that. When, when someone's trying to control the narrative, what does that mean for you? So for me, that means... so. This afternoon needs to be done. We need to sign. This is going. There are four other people looking at this. You know, I need to be able to dictate. You know, someone else is, is dictating to me when I should move, how I should move, what I should do. It's like it's a partnership. So it shouldn't be one side dictating to the other. Although, you know, both of you are going to bring different um, strengths. There should be that mutual respect to listen to each other's strengths. Someone should not be dictating that to you. Um, so I'd be definitely looking at that. Um, I'd be looking at how I feel, how that person makes me feel. Your your builder example was so fantastic because the word you used was I felt patronised. That says it all to me. Absolutely says it all to me. I can picture that builder in my head. I've, I've met that builder, I'm sure. 
<laughs> and there's many great builders out there and I know <laughs> yeah exactly yeah absolutely. Um, I would tell but you yeah, that no, I'm joking the, the mind, but <laughs> yeah. how are you feeling what are you hearing why yeah. and if it's if you're compromised or you feel you might be compromised check 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 don't you know the other thing you hear is people say oh my goodness I should have known when it's like you did know when you did know but you overrode that you chose to overrode that because you were excited or you were feeling greedy or you know you were compromised and if at that point you turned and spoken to somebody you trusted because that's the other thing some of the scammers try to to knock that and they'll say oh you're gonna go and speak to your circle and they're gonna tell you this this and this it's like they're telling you that because they don't want you to and then when you do and they say that you're gonna think oh he said that would happen it's like no we all have our trusted circle we all have people that we can tap into and that we can talk to that has more experience than us do that go and speak to them so look i'm feeling a bit compromised i'm really excited about this deal is it as good as i think what do you think and take that time yeah that would be my i think my my, my biggest takeaway okay okay well i think that's a good place to wrap up and <laughs> uh, obviously people can find out more about you in the magazine as well in your article so uh which is a december issue by the way but where can people find out more about you online or in person um, so I'm on LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn and G Nichols. Uh, we have a great family uh, Facebook page, the KPA Property Family. Um, where else? Ben and I are hosts of Partners in Property Bristol. So we're often on Facebook doing lives very often. Um, website wise, because we kind of do different things and kind of you know we've got the new agency up and money we've got the kpa virtual that's very much kind of a work in progress but you know kpa.co.uk if you want to but don't expect too much of it because it's very much under construction but i would say kpa property family on facebook or i'm on linkedin ben's on linkedin he's benedict nichols so uh yeah they're good places Fantastic. well we'll put some of those links into the show notes so people can find you Lovely. and thank, thank you so much for your time today Thank you, Michelle. Thanks for having me. And thank you for making it so easy. (laughs) (laughs) My job, right? (laughs) Well, um, you take care and all the best for lockdown and going forward. And uh, we'll look forward to reading your article in the magazine. Thank you very much. Really nice to meet you. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If people don't have a copy of the uh, latest edition of the magazine and you're not a subscriber yet, then please click the link in the show notes for your free copy. And that's all for today and we'll see you next time.